1: Hello,
3: it's everyone's favorite bucket of sexiness, Drew Gasparini, and you're listening to Now We're Talking, the podcast that is single-handedly reversing climate change. I'm very excited about our guest for this episode. He is a two-time Tony Award nominee. He's a writer, a comedic speedball, and has one of the greatest asses in show business. Beyond that, he's my best friend, my writing partner, one of the lovable morons, and one of my favorite brains to riff with. Small factoid. If you say his name three times, he will come out of your toilet and give your tush a little smooch but don't take my word for it i'm so excited he was able to join me on this podcast today i love him you love him ladies and gentlemen now we're talking with my best bud alex brightman hello i'm here with alex brightman hello
0: i'm alex brightman this is alex
3: brightman hello alex say say, hello. Hello. This is a a 45-minute podcast of us saying hello to each other. I just wanted to see how many times I could
0: cut right in.
3: Hey, hello. Hello? Oh, yes. Okay. podcast over. (laughs) Thanks for doing this, man. I know you're a busy boy, and uh, it means a lot that you took the time to do this. I feel like I I coaxed you in on accident.
0: I'm never too busy for you.
3: That is untrue by (laughs) a lot. First of all, a lot of people who are going to be listening to this have an understanding that you and I are friends. It's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a gross byproduct of my life, but it's a, it's a wonderful addition to yours. I think it's fantastic for me. Have you benefited from being my friend? That makes me happy. I feel like absolutely. maybe that hasn't been the case. No, absolutely. Have I ever let you down as a friend?
0: Yeah. No, that's good. But that's who? What friendship? Who hasn't?
3: Well, I don't know. I would, that's I
0: would go... It's complete falsity and a fallacy. If anybody's ever answered that question in the, in the, in the negative, if they have ever let you down as a friend, no, never. Are you kidding? Yeah, no.
3: Then they're not really friends. Well, really that's what, what I down
0: think. Down that's, like, that's like, have you ever had a fight with your significant other? Have you ever... It's like, sure.
3: And when people say, are you and Alex really best friends? I go, here's how close Alex and I are. He's maybe one of the only friends I have that I've wanted to punch in the face. That is that to me is I think that's all right. That's brotherhood. Yeah. That's I qualify that as brotherhood, at least. Uh, so we're going to talk about your brother, by the way, just a heads up because he's a nut. But I want to talk wait. about <laughs> I want to talk about Melissa first. You just said uh, jokingly, let's talk about the moms and let's talk about your mom. Let's talk about Melissa. Let's talk about your upbringing. I've done this with everybody on this podcast so far, and here's why. I've known you for a decade plus. Yeah. I don't know basic. I basically don't know jack shit about your entire adolescent. I know like fun stories, like the losing your virginity story, yeah. uh, which because we can we can
0: we now, can definitely poke at here. It's not Made public. It's, uh, it's, it's literally made public on a podcast.
3: It's 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 theater lore at this point. Fans yeah. across the the Broadway spectrum have all come out being like, "Have you heard the Brightman virginity story?" Uh, but let's let's go back to childhood, where you were raised. Let's start there and give us a little insight of like what you were like as a kid, because people know who you became, and yeah. I think it takes some explaining.
0: So let's go to let's go to the top. The year was 1987. My man. <laughs> I was born. Actually, I was born in Mountain View, California, in a hospital there, and then I was raised in Saratoga, California, which is near San Jose, which is why I tell people I'm from San Jose, California.
1: Yeah, I say I do the Sar- same thing,
0: but I say Saratoga. I used to say Saratoga, and then people go, "Oh, Saratoga, New York," because that's more what people know. There's a Saratoga, right. New York, that is a little more off the brain. Um, so I say San yep. Jose. I've never said San Francisco. I just say I'm, I'm 45 minutes south of San Francisco. That's what I would say. Oh, okay. If, if people would ask like, where's that? Um, or I'd say I'm, you know, 30 minutes e- east of Santa Cruz. Um, I just give
3: people my zip code and I hope that they go do the work themselves. I just forward go them. 94947.
0: I just forward them my address, really. I just go, look this up on Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, house. yeah. The house I grew up in it now is now obviously has other owners because my family moved to New York, and so they sold their house. And it looks uh, dreadful that <laughs> what they've done to the place is what did just, they do to the place? It just like the lawn, like it, what used to be a lawn, like an actual most of the front of the house was a big lawn and like a bush and a driveway yeah. that led up to yeah. um, like two like two huge bay windows, and it was a one-story house. It was like a, a longer you kind know, of like a house with an ass on it, and um, yeah and you're, you're
3: kind of a house with an ass on it <laughs> by the true. way
0: yeah that's true um and the lawn green not that we kept it like amazing like none of us none of my family was like had a green thumb but then now it's like all tan bark oh it was oh, like no. with like islands of cement things that were like i guess meant to look like something but it no, literally that's... it looks like a it just i don't know it looks dreadful i'm sorry if anyone's like that, those you know, houses there, but
3: no. Whoever's listening to this and they live there, get your act together. Fix the front yeah. yard. That's atrocious. I, I used to live in a cul-de-sac and it was like beautiful little lawn, little garden. There was there was greenery and then there was one neighbor. It was just a rock garden, a yeah. lava rock garden, jagged, horrible, just stay off my property garden. That's yeah. what it was.
0: It's, that says it's like midlife crisis. That's like, the, yeah. I can't afford a Ferrari, so I'm going to turn my front lawn into a Zen garden or something. Yeah. 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 Totally. Uh, That's so I grew up there. I, uh, same house until I left for New York. So stayed in one, one house on Brookview drive. Um, and it was like a, uh, regular old neighborhood, like a very neighborhood street on the corner was a bus stop. Um, and my upbringing was, I think I, I, I think you're right. I think it does take some explaining about what but I think it's actually a pretty an easier explanation than people would I maybe guess is my both my parents are incredibly dry uh funny people. Um yes. And, but also like, you know, like as neurotic as I am and yes. and and probably as Jewy. <laughs> chew- <laughs>
3: I, I, I've only, I've seen the neuroses from <laughs> Melissa. Alan
0: hides it very well. We all, I think we all have it though, for sure. I think that yeah. it was um, my, I, I can tell you this. I mean, for being 33 years old, I still absolutely have them on my shoulders. That, 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 that tells you a little bit about the growing up is that like, it was a like, what would mom do? What would dad think? What right. would mom think? Right. I think I still have that. So um, I didn't have like a, I had a lot of friends as a kid that they had like, they weren't latchkey kids, but they just had, they had a lot of more, f- what seemed like freedom than I did to do, like, after they would just walk around. I had to, like, ask permission for things. And, and you know,
3: were was- they strict or were
0: they just, like, protective? Or why do you think that is? I think it was because I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I think it was because I might have been a bit of an asshole. Um, so I think that they was more, <laughs> I think it was more of a reaction, honestly, to a rambunctious jerk of a kid who yeah. was an egotist from at an early age. Sure. Um, and, and somebody was very me, 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 spotlight, me, me, me. Um, and so I think at earlier on than than not, I remember them sitting me down when I was young, very young to have this conversation. And I remember them sitting me on their bed in their dress in their, in their dressing room in their um in their, oh my their, i live theater everybody i yeah. live and bleed theater and they sat me down in their um bedroom and whenever they,
3: whenever you had a babysitter a slip came out of a playbill saying your yeah. parents will be played by <laughs> that's very <laughs> funny that's very funny
0: um uh that's hilarious uh they sat me down on their bed and I, this is like much younger than I think I'm even giving credit for it. They said, you're not going to have any friends if you're a dickhead. No. Like way. you're going to stop. You're going to stop having friends because they're... Wait, gonna, how old do you think you were when this happened? I think I was 10 or 11. Oh, wow. Um, but it was because I absolutely was the kind of kid that would look for the next best thing. I was like yeah. the next... If this if this wasn't any use to me anymore, I moved on. Um, yeah. Or, and, you know, I just didn't... I didn't value... Friendships for what they were, I valued friendships with who I could benefit from the most, like what you got out of the friendship. It was not yeah. not mutual. I don't think. I don't think it was. So a lot when of
3: when do you cool. think when do you think you'll start taking your parents' advice? Then <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm so successful. It's all just worked. So well,
3: all all of your friends are just crumpled <laughs> up pieces of paper that you've tossed as last ideas you've had. I like in, I like uh, to think uh, I
0: have grown somewhat um that that uh, a, you definitely have yeah yeah from that moment for sure I mean it was very I mean that that was a formative moment I remember that very vividly sitting on yeah. their bed them kneeling in front of me and having this talk about you don't treat your friends correctly like you are a, you're not a nice kid I was a mean girl and I was like the idea of like yeah it was I think that I was that I know that I was that but it wasn't out of trying to be mean it never right. was antagonistic in a way. It never was in a way of like I'm going to mess with that kid. I was too small to do that. I was too afraid to get hurt. I was really short, really short when I was yeah. a, a kid, and and so it never was about making people feel bad. That was never the idea. It was just that I needed to be the most liked.
3: Yeah, that was. Well, I my... think all of it, we. I, I I certainly suffer from a bit of that myself, and and I can relate to everything you're saying basically was my whole goal as a kid was to just make sure that I was liked. It didn't matter what the group of friends was. It just mattered that that group at the time enjoyed who I was at the time. And the minute uh, the minute I was liked by another group, I was like, I think I'm going to check that group out. Now yeah. they're my friends. I
0: yeah. think that's right. And I think the thing that has that has um, rolled over from that into my adulthood is I still have an enormous anxiety about people liking me. Um, I yeah. think that I do. That's a huge part of my life, and a part a little too much in a way. Of like, you know, I yeah. put on a little bit of like a I don't care. Uh, sometimes I mean, you know, for like, you know, I'm just doing my thing, and I don't care. You're, you're
3: better at that than most people I know, if I'm being and honest.
0: I, and I and that is a skill. I think. I think it was a skill as as more of a shield. You know, like how mm-hmm. how comedians use comedy is typically not because they're funny; it's because they are hiding something. um, yeah. they're, they're, That they're yeah. sad or whatever. Um, I think my is. I'm always so concerned about how people think of me and I'm yeah. always so, uh, trying to make them like me. Um, whether it's by not saying something or by, if I say something to profusely explain myself and apologize as to why it might've hurt them. Um, right. And that, what a double
3: edged sword that is. I mean, like, that's, that's something that's really good. You want people to like you. I mean, Absolutely, it's not a bad
0: thing, I do but, think like that could take over a bit. It, well, it gives me massive anxiety in a way of like, um, Here's a perfect example. This is for about uh, just yesterday when when you texted me, are you mad at me?
3: Oh, yeah, this happened. But it but but yes. happens
0: all the time. This happens all the time to to everybody in my life. And I used to be uh, th- that person a lot. I used to go if I sent a text or if I called somebody and they didn't call me back within two hours, I'm like, I must have done something. Right. I never go to the I never ever would go to the benign Occam's razor like they're busy. <laughs> Never. Right, right. It, ne- it goes straight to what have I done to wrong this person and how can yes. I fix it? Not, not I, like how, I'm already coming up with ideas of how I'm going to like make up for this and, and, and I'm trying to, cause I just desperately, not cause I want to feel, yes, I do. I want to feel better about it. Sure. Um, sure. The minute somebody forgives you, you feel better. And so sometimes when in my life, I felt like that was the immediate goal, not to learn. Yeah. Not to learn from a mistake, but to get the forgiveness. Right, And right, I think that right, right. is one thing I have now grown from. It's like, I think what I, when I want, I, I want to, now when I apologize for something, that's where it's, I need, the apology is the apology. If you forgive me, great, but I need, I am absolutely sorry when I right. you for something. And you feel complete in doing your job and doing that. Now it's up to the other person. I, and, and I will, that's their problem. it's not completely gone like a weighted vest. I still feel upset if they're like, thank you. <laughs> Right, you know, if they if they don't say I accept your apology, there I, I I am like, oh okay, I yeah okay, and I have to like stretch that muscle, and be like, just walk away. You've done the thing, and eventually somebody will, you know, accept your apology. And it, and it sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I've never gotten into enormous trouble. You know what I mean? I've never gotten to like any sort of like way where it was like months long, years long type of grudge. Right. But I, I it's it's it is something I think about daily. I
3: think. Do you think that I mean, this is all kind of a byproduct of that one conversation that your parents gave you on the bed when you were a kid that 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 kind of sat in your brain in such a heavy way that that's created this anxiety. of Probably. You know, uh, your parents fuck us up no matter how you spin it. But yeah, like even they're when trying, they're doing their best. Trying and their their that's. Best. That's a good thing they did. I mean yes. to to be to be observant of their child and maybe seeing the actions of of you know how he acts with his friends or whatever to sit him down on the bed and say listen kid this isn't going to be a good life for you if right. this is your your approach here. It's a, be- uh, but it's then a of better course, look at it's,
0: it's a better look at an adolescent than it is in an adult for sure. Um, yeah, sure, but, but I I yeah, I do think I think there's probably a couple of those moments like those little cornerstone moments that we, somebody you 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 feel your feet on the ground for the first time yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm here. I'm actually, yeah. this isn't a game. This isn't a play. Like I've hurt somebody. I've yeah. I've made somebody feel bad and I'm feeling it too. And it took
3: me killing about nine people to realize that this whole life that we're living is not a game. I thought I was getting points for every death, but apparently that's that's not it. I should be in prison right now. It's the only way I can feel anymore, man. <laughs>
0: oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> once, my, uh, once my knife leaves its sheath, it has to taste blood before it goes back in. Uh, <laughs> my knife leaves
3: its sheath, yeah. its little leather sheath. Yeah. Um. When when you had a talk like this, you say your parents, you say there was an involvement of both parents. They sat you on the bed. They had this talk with you. Yeah. Uh, my prediction, and you tell me if I'm accurate here. Right. I think you know what I'm going to
0: get. Okay. <laughs> it, was more,
3: it was more Melissa doing the, the heavy lifting in terms of the conversation.
0: Yeah. My My mom was certainly, is still certainly more of the like, get in there one. Like the one that sort Mm -hmm. of, that's the first line of defense. It's sort of like, I don't care if it's going to hurt your feelings. This is what's, this is the, this is the point I'm making. Yeah. My dad was on my mom's side, 100%. So they never, what I never saw typically was any sort of disparity between the two. It was just the amount of emotion that came behind one or the other. My dad was typically when we were younger, my brother would uh we sort of like he sort of like was the the caveman? he was like he would always cave like like if my mom if my if my brother was like can we get jack in the box for dinner and my mom was like no not like ask your dad no yeah jesse would go to my dad and go can we get jack in the box for dinner and my dad would go what did mom say and jesse say mom said no but like you know come on (laughs) And then my dad would say, my dad would say, my, my, my brother and my dad's relationship could be summed up like this. If my dad told my brother, I'll think about it in the beginning of the day, my brother will have found a way to make my dad believe he promised to him it by That's the end of the amazing. day. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. And so that would be became kind of more like, and there is that sort of thing when the mom finds out and it's like, Alan... <laughs> Your brother could be a cult leader.
3: I mean, that's that's your your brother's been gaslighting your parents for years.
0: He was good at it. He's a good businessman too. He's a good. He was a. He's now. I mean, he was a marketing strategist, and so it sort of you know it 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 all fits. He's good with dealing with clients. He's good. He's
3: your your brother to me is the kind of guy who like we've never seen him do it, but it would be the least amount surprising if he just arrived somewhere out of a helicopter. Oh yeah. Like if he just, sure. you know what I mean, if he came to one of your opening nights but his
0: his yeah. entrance was the big entrance in yeah, yeah, yeah. a helicopter would be like, "Oh, what up, Jesse?" Like it wouldn't surprise me at all. And his explanation would be like, "It's a client's so I got used to." It. it wouldn't be at all. <laughs> it would be like, "Oh yeah, I just needed I was going to be late if I didn't take the helicopter." Um, but I, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those people that that is for, I've said this forever tongue in cheek, but genuinely, for years and years and years, he was the person I like absolutely wanted to grow up to be. Because he, yeah. he is kind of like your brother a little bit. The idea of like, even though your brother's older, my brother's younger. Yeah, um, still very close Just in seemed, age. I mean, yeah, yeah, but the, oh yeah, the age difference is very similar. But always seemed like he knew what was going on. Like he knew what he was doing, and I think that because he wasn't an artist necessarily, he did shows and stuff together. But I think his brain was more like he was really forward thinking about like school, college, yeah, business, like you know the life. You know, sort yeah. of that, that, that boiler Log- logical choices, very logical choices. <laughs> and, he was, and he's really smart. He was genuinely like, you know, grades wise, like we were, that was the disparity. Like, I think I was okay in school, but he was smart. I just wasn't, I didn't care. I wasn't really focused in that way. Right. I definitely yeah, I, were, were good because they had to be. So I would cram and cram and cram and my, and my, you know, my, Uh, special skill is memorization, which helps me now, but like it really helped when I had to, when I procrastinated for a chemistry exam and then just needed to just get it done.
3: You just said the word chemistry and I grew nine more hemorrhoids because like, uh, like even thinking about school or homework or anything, I have immense anxiety because of that very reason I was compared. This is here. You had a younger brother. I had an older brother. Imagine. Going to a class that he had the teacher the year before, and now <laughs> I'm the student. Yeah, and I'm such a letdown to them because Danny was such a golden boy in terms of his scholastic prowess, and yeah. I was like, "Can I bring my guitar into class?" Yeah. <laughs> like anyway, it was, was Wonderwall tuning in the back, real, you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what <would you say laughs> did ke- you say
3: about chemistry? What's that?
0: Bing, bang! 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 I don't need the tuner. I got a good ear. Uh, I got it. Ee, ee, I didn't, yeah. School was not my thing. Just, school was Jesse's thing. And he yeah. was good at it, even though he was massively made fun of when we were younger. And that was a big, like, that was the other, like, the relationship thing with my brother and I. Yeah. Was that, and my dad always reminds reminds us of this. Um, my brother used to be very big, obese, like, in a way. Yeah. He was very. You ugly. described
3: him to me as circular. circular. Yeah. Circular. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and so he and he, and he was. I mean, you look at pictures and you're like, like my mom recently showed me a picture when we were like younger. And my mom even said, she goes, I don't ever remember th- him looking like that. Like it was just, you know, you see him every day. Yeah. But, but you see a picture and you're like, oh my god. Oh my and god, so that looks
3: like Pac-Man.
0: It would, he was big, and it, and it and it was it was a big, big, big sticking point for him because he was made fun of a lot, and that didn't sit well with me at all. And and were and you protective? Very protective. And. Mm-hmm and to the point where my dad always reminds me is I formed a little bit of a gang as a kid to tell the people that were making fun of him that if you keep making fun of him, we're going to beat you up.
3: You had goons? Yeah.
0: Yep. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, that was that's a real story. That's a totally true story. Was, I, I love
3: the idea. You just colored yourself as like a really short guy, and then I see you like with your henchmen like yeah. putting his, pounding a bat into your hand. Like if you ever think about touching Capone's brother ever again, that's what you were
0: Capone. I was Capone. I was small but mighty. And, wow! And used my intellect, and also I was faking. <laughs> so oh, I was now so I was acting. The idea of I was being like I will kill you,
3: right? That no, you were faking your toughness because obviously people could well, kill all you. all they had that.
0: to do was take one other look at me and be like, he's not that's not going to do anything. Right. He weighs 14
3: pounds. <laughs> Alex was actually on another kid's shoulders wearing a long trench coat. <laughs> um, there, uh, now that your brother's not a, a circular human being anymore, but he is balding, do you feel the need to protect him from adults making fun of him? Because as a person who's balding myself, I feel like that is just as a demoralizing Wait a and humiliating. Second. You're balding? Oh, I haven't shown you? No, show Reveal. us. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, he's a big boy. He can take care of himself. <laughs>
3: he's got and, he's got helicopters. He's,
0: he's very. I mean, he's like one of, he literally is one of the most successful human beings I know and so he's he's it got is a gorgeous family and a beautiful house in New Jersey. And so I, again, like parts of those things, I aspire to own a house. He, he does. He's the, he was the, he was the first one to do a lot of things that adults do before I did them. He still is the guy that I feel like, and I look at him, he sends me pictures of his house. They're doing remodeling things here and there. I'm like, wow, that's an adult. I don't feel like that. right? <laughs> um, and when I see that, I'm like, wow, that's like what an adult does.
3: Yeah, he's a he's more adult than all of us and uh, you know what? here's why I don't like your brother I'm gonna tell you right out of the gate. I don't like your brother this guy with the success. He has he's got nice ties He's got nice shoes. He's got nice clothes. He's got a hot wife and a nice house. He yeah. does well okay. We go to a fucking casino and the guy can't stop winning more money yeah. how does this happen to the people that. who don't need it? No, I don't want to hear, I already know your explanation. I already hate your explanation, but go ahead. Fill, fill us in, fill it, the people in. It,
0: it's, well, it's, he's, that's always how it's been. He is- Oh, with
3: Jesse, you mean? I thought
0: you were going to give me some logical, well, Drew, gambling is, is no, no, not- no, no, no. <laughs> no, gambling is great, everyone should gamble. But, um, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> no, it's, things have always worked out for Jesse. Honestly, it's like it's I can the, the the metaphor, not even a metaphor. It's a true story. Is that he? There was a cakewalk at a student carnival that we had mm-hmm. when we were yeah. in middle school or elementary school. And there's a cakewalk, a hundred circles in a hundred mini circles forming a huge circle, all from one to a hundred. Was he, he a
3: circle himself during this cakewalk? Perhaps.
0: Okay. Perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, and he. Jesse would enter the thing. So would I. You walk around to a bunch of music. They stop the music and whatever number you're on, that's your number. They call it a number. Whoever's standing on that number wins a cake.
1: Um,
0: Jesse won twice in the same day, which I think is statistically impossible. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things. It shouldn't have happened. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And same thing with any scratch off lottery ticket he's ever bought in his life. (laughs) Oh, my God. Any any show lottery, like including the big ones, like if he entered Wicked when it was hot, he would win. No problem. I wouldn't even be shocked. I'd go, That's well, we're going to go see the show tonight because he's going to win. Um, how
3: annoying.
0: Yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, on, for, for
3: a guy like me, I'm you know me. I'm I'm a, I have a vengeful spirit. I get uh, I no. get bent out of shape. I get bent out of shape. No, not uh, you well let's I, let's go before we we hop into like current day i want to kind of stay in the in the realm of childhood because oh, yeah. people who don't know this i mean like your parents basically goes to every performance of yours which is adorable and yeah. and uh they're they're new yorkers now they yeah. they were from the east coast originally they've settled back there again your brother's in jersey you're a broadway star in new york but you were all raised in the bay area not far from where i was raised right although we never knew each other back then uh I want to ask about uh, a specific skill set that you have. We've talked about this before, but I think it's, it's amazing the way you describe the culinary prowess of Melissa Brightman, (laughs) uh, because you yourself, and there's proof of it on the internet, I believe still that you're an amazing chef. You're a really, uh, you know how to cook. You, you follow the steps, you make a good steak. You and I shared that cabin, uh, in the, in the woods when we were doing that speed Riders retreat. And I would come out of bed and smell, uh, steak and eggs being cooked it was it was amazing uh but you your mother was not so much that no not even close Um, all right give us give us some examples of what you mean
0: my brother and i learned how to cook out of pure necessity because we never learned i mean my example there's two examples one is maybe funner than the other but um first one and the main the main one is my mom would put frozen chicken breasts right out of the freezer directly onto a hot grill and Think-
3: anybody who's listening to this who thinks, well, that's what I do. That's not bad. You're, you're wrong. You couldn't be wrong more wrong. I mean,
0: you're wrong. It's just not how you cook anything. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but my mom's favorite flavor is burned. My mom doesn't like seasoning. My mom will yeah. go, to, go to a steakhouse and, and ask them not to put any seasoning on the steak. It's is like, you know, her prerogative for sure. But like, why would you be going to a fancy, you know what I mean? It's like, right, right. But it is true, She has, and she would agree. I mean, she has, it's, and it's not necessarily frustrating. I don't really give a shit, but uh, it, it was all, it made for a lot of like takeout when we were younger or like very simple meals and, yes. and things like that. And so I never learned how to cook at all. Um, the other thing my mom made was this thing like a cheeseburger pie that's which not- was a recipe that I remember liking, but I remember now thinking about like, even if I think about the ingredients, it's like it's like a chicken pot pie. But like if a cheeseburger was also in there. So it's just like a lot of cheese and
3: ground beef and that kind of stuff. Like, like hamburger helper treat. kind of thing. Yeah, I
0: think it, that's what it sort of ended up feeling like. I think I liked mm-hmm. it, though, to be quite honest, just to give Melissa Brightman credit where credit is due. The, 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 the upside of the cook, cooking world of my growing up is that my dad we had a grill and my dad was really good at that. So we, you know, we we had burgers or steaks or anything like that. It was on the grill. No problem. If my dad was on board. That's something I think the minute you have a kid and you become a dad,
3: even if you've never grilled in your life, that just becomes this new skill you have. I don't know why, but like every father, like my dad, hardly he, he calls everything he cooks in the kitchen uh, garbage meals because he just takes, whatever's left and yeah. somehow make something. But he's like Bobby Flay when it comes to the grill. He's like a masterful griller. The other day he cooked something. I saw him taking Baby Bell cheese, you know, the in the wax, sure. the Baby Bell cheese. And the way he was cutting it, I worry about my old man. The way he was cutting it was with a pair of scissors yeah. down the middle like a disc. And I was like, what are you doing with that? He goes, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a salad. Right.
0: He didn't take the red Wax I didn't see, there was no, <laughs> I think he thought it was a fruit. <laughs> it was, it'll, it'll melt off in my tummy. What a
3: weird
2: berry this is, he would say. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Jumba Casino coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW room void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? Um, I, I remember
3: going to your hometown, uh, in like Cupertino, San Jose area where you oh, grew yeah, up. You
0: saw,
3: you know? No, no beef. Uh, that's are you talking about secret garden when I went yeah. to see secret garden? That was down in Palo Alto, right? right? Uh, I brought my whole family to that. That was so, so, so fun. fun. Uh, but no, I'm talking about when you and I took a three day train uh, oh, ride yeah. yes. and I, I really want to talk about this train ride. Sure. First of all, I'll say when we got to. Uh, the the, I've never needed a shower worse. I could have been camping for 10 days in the desert and still not needed a shower as bad as after this three day train ride along with you. I uh, was under the impression that if you get a train ticket that is overnight at any, no matter what, you get a sleeping car. That's no, no. that's what I thought, and nope. you had taken these you had taken these trains before these cross country or right. long long travel days of train, and you knew the you knew the rigmarole. You bring a neck pillow, you bring a, a blanket, you bring a, goods, a, a huge bottle of bourbon, and you're good with which to sleep. Yeah, well, boy did boy did we throw them back on that train yeah. ride. Uh, but I was I don't think I slept one single hour for three solid days.
0: Yeah, you didn't. You told me that. Yeah, I remember that.
3: My system was just Red Bull bourbon and like those microwavable burgers that they sell on an Amtrak. Yeah. I And you can't even imagine what my crotch smelled like when I just lifted the inseam of my pants to take a look. It was like a waft of
0: something. Unfortunately, Unfortunately I didn't have to imagine it.
3: No. Yeah. We were sitting right next to <laughs> each other. Uh, I would look at you with crazy red cracky veins in my eyes while you were asleep. And I was just <laughs> staring at you waiting for it to wake up and keep me company. Um, do you remember what we did on that train? We did a lot of things on that train, but we rode a pilot. That's right. We wrote a pilot. This is going to become <laughs> part of part of theater lore forever. Now is the day that people discovered they knew that Alex and Drew wrote this pilot. It's not. The, it's clearly not the first thing we wrote together. No. Uh, but this was around the time that we just started. Kind of, we get. We had a musical under our belts, and we were trying for a couple other things, and we thought like our collaborative powers uh, could create the comedy of the century. You know, Ron. and. And I gotta say, like the premise is A plus. The premise yep. is A plus, but we created a character named Mumph.
0: Erwin Erwin Mumph.
3: Erwin Mumph. Uh, tell tell the listeners what some of Erwin Mumph's characteristics were. And just so everyone knows, this is all real. This is yeah. true. This was time spent. We actually spent time thinking this was going to be a show. It wasn't and, even like a and also, question.
0: And also cutting other ideas to get to this. Um so this is what we ended up with is really what the, the 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 more the the more important point is we we jettisoned others things away yeah to get we really boiled them down to really what this was um <laughs> if anyone wants to skip ahead this will only take 30 seconds um so he's a and a man of no certain age though he probably is 90 to 2000 years old mm-hmm. um he is uh, the sole owner of a duplex in a beautiful Central Park West apartment that is uh, grandfathered at like something ridiculous, like you know a thousand dollars a month, um, and they can't kick him out. He is violently and vehemently racist, misogynistic, mm-hmm. homophobic, uh, everyphobic, um, and his uh, his only friend is a guy at a. I can't remember his only friend was, and they don't even like each other either. It's two older guys. And then it was like a deli, right? It was was like a deli, which brings us to his most important character trait, which is his favorite food on the planet is relish relish. And he would talk about it all the time. And, and when he was presented with relish, he would scream relish.
3: Yes. He would scream the word relish every time he ate relish. This was a character uh, that we thought was worthy of, of creating a, a, a pilot around. Yep. Uh it was what like, a waste you know, of everybody's time.
0: It was like yeah, you know, it was George Jefferson, uh uh you know, uh Al Bundy yeah. and then you have Irwin Mump. We were thinking it was going to be in that sort of that echelon of character. We by you the know, way, what
3: we really created was a was kind of a makeshift Donald Trump,
0: a terrible pilot. So, oh, yes. Yeah,
3: and, and also the worst pilot ever.
0: Although, what was, uh, you had Dan Jinks read it and what did he say? I don't he, I don't remember exactly what he said and he was being as nice as he could but he was like this is like unreadable. He's like this is I mean he was just, which is worse it's like worse than it was it was worse than being like you know this is offensive and I don't like that whatever he was just sort of like I can't even bother with this. It was like this yeah. isn't even a, this doesn't even <laughs> this isn't even like it's when somebody goes I remember I can't remember who said this but someone was like you know uh you know if you see a movie and you don't yeah. like it it's still a movie, you know, but right. I think what we made was so bad. It not, I think it actually isn't a pilot.
3: It's not, it's what I, it's almost whatever the opposite of a pilot could possibly be. It's yeah. just, it was I mean, it,
0: it, it had, the thing is though, when I, te- when I do teach people, not that this is what this is about, but I do think cause I have everything we've ever written and I've ever written that, that you don't throw anything away because there, I have used certain jokes or joke premises from that in 100%. things I've done. I mean variations on it, but like there's stump there's some stuff in there that works. There are some jokes and some, you know, runners that like work, but the entire thing was this like farcical thing that by the way goes back to we we're on a train, we haven't slept, we've been drinking, everything we wrote was funny to us. But yeah. of course it was.
3: Yeah? You know? I mean to tears. I like I just yeah. thinking back to that train ride, the experience was awful for the no sleep and smelling the way that we did, or mostly I did. But that experience of writing that pilot was, first of all, I think we learned a lot about writing and without realizing we did, but I could not stop
0: laughing. I I just like. Until that point, I had never written uh, in like at the, i had never written with somebody as I was writing. You know what I mean? I had never been that sort of writer's room. Like what if, what if, what if, what if thing? That yeah. back and forth, which I'm not a hundred percent sure. I love to be quite honest. I don't, Oh, same here. Um, and I've tried it a couple of times and I just, it's very hard to feel like you're waiting for the next thing. Like I, I, I when I'm writing on my own, I know that it's, I know that I'm going to have to go back and edit and, and it's that not everything I'm writing is solid gold, but I keep writing. Whereas like when you're in a room with other people and you're like, what if he says this and you think it's good and someone's like, yeah, that's good. Or what if he says this? And then you're like, Okay, here's our next 10 minutes talking yes. about whether it's this line or this line. You right. know, and I right. don't love the stuttering process of like that. Of no, like-
3: it slows things down, but like the laughs in the room are are, are always kind of worth the experience for me and I think yeah, that we totally. both we maybe that experience taught us both that oh, I think it's better when we both go back to our our own brains and then <laughs> reconnect afterwards because I mean everything else we've ever written Was like, let's have the idea and then you go do your thing and then I go do my thing and then we
0: kind of bring it back together. Why I think it works when a number of different writing partnerships, but I think that what we do best and what we discovered that didn't work on that and on a couple of things is we are both really good editors, but we need something to edit. Yeah, and I think that it's like it's it, it, meaning later, not editors in the room when it's happening, but like let's see all the material and let's carve yeah. it down. I think that's something we're, that you and I we're
3: are big selling. proponents of of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and killing uh,
0: your darling, not being so hyper precious about everything you're writing. And hundred percent, that's that's what I think is what we what I found we when we work the best. That is the thing that is wh- when it's working the best. I find that it's out of the editing process of going. Does this need to be here? Could this be a song? Does that and it seems to get very rhythmic.
3: I have a question for you about uh, and again, I don't want to make this the podcast or like what the theme is here. It's not sure. about our collaboration. It's not about anything in particular. It's just about you. So my question is, uh, you're musical. I mean, like you're you're downright musical. You've got a, everyone knows that you're an insane singer. Um, and, and you actually have some musicality in terms of approaching an instrument and figuring chords out stuff like that. You also, you also have a knack for storytelling. You and I are collaborating on lyrics for this other project, The Whipping Boy. So I know that lyrics are a part of your, your scheme as well. How come you have never done the songwriting avenue? Um, honestly, because I, all I your songwriter friends are broke, is, is you saw that and you were like, "No, that's that's not for me." Well, this, is, well,
0: yeah, this this business model simply doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> there's so much risk and no reward. As I as I go back into auditioning for musical theater, as if that's like, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I want something that's a sure thing. Musical theater. Um, I, I to be truthfully honest, the answer is I don't know. I mean, I've never really had any. I've never really had a yen to do it. I've never sat I've never had been inspired to write a song truthfully yeah. like I've never had like anything that inspires me the next thought isn't I have to write a song T- right. if anything it's been nothing I'm inspired I have chills and then I just move on with my life and then now it's more like if something I see inspires me it 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 does filter into my brain as more storytelling than it does song or yeah. oh this is an interesting uh, moment for such and such or this could be an interesting start to a TV show or a movie or something or a play um and so it never comes out in the way, just because it never did. Sure, you know, I, I never. I wrote a couple songs when I played guitar when I was in high school. Yeah, um, I wrote a couple songs. I was in a band, and I wrote. Cool. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> what was the name of the band? We had a couple names because we couldn't decide, so we kept we kept having to reannounce what we were. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my
0: God. The re-announce, re- every concert was a debut of a yeah. new band. <laughs> <Different> um, <name. laughs> I remember one of them, and then you can you, you'll, you, just from the title of the band, you'll already know like what music I was listening to. Uh, one of them, uh, the band was called A, a Cloven Heart. Oh, Jesus. I know. Uh, we were trying to think of another word for broken. Yeah. For- oh, this is. But <laughs> I don't think we actually even used that word properly, to be quite honest. Um, and then one of them was, we just literally (laughs) picked like three words. And so we were called drive, drive, like down, Uh, drive, like down, drive, like down, which actually, after I said it a number of times, I was like, this sounds like a band. That would be a band name. And I was like, let's do that. That I think we ended up with. And then I think the only other one we had was called skyjack.
3: Skyjack. That sky, Um, skyjack's fun. fun.
0: Skyjack is the name of a crane company. And I saw it when I was walking around and I was like, that's a cool band name. So, uh,
3: in eighth grade, I had a band called Primary Paradise, and then I heard the talent show audience chant "PP," and I didn't like that. That's immediately what we were yeah. known as
0: <laughs> was "PP." <pee-pee. laughs> I, I, I really, honestly enjoyed. I was in a band. I still talk to my friend Brian Chase, who from high school we had was in the band. And shout out Brian! And, shout out to Brian Chase, um, and we talk about it because it was like kind of a it was for a moment like it was every day or every other day going to his garage and le- legitimately writing songs and playing them and it was the first time I was like oh this is a real like this is a thing like we're actually yeah. doing this and I played some guitar I played ry- rhythm guitar guitar too I guess and and yeah. and um and sang obviously and then every once in a while I would front the band Um, you know New Found Glory style and yeah uh, oh, so cool <laughs> shout out to New Found Glory for sure sponsored <laughs> <laughs> hashtag new found glory um and <laughs> we'll plug their new album here and then things went exactly how you think they did high school ended and i went to college and that was it and it wasn't like we broke up it wasn't like there was a big deal i think yeah. actually i did end up like leaving like i was like i was just not committed enough or i didn't commit and they found another lead singer who was like a yeah like a peripheral buddy of mine so i think they ended up sort of like that was the band I like after
3: high school, you no, left no, 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 for no, college. No,
0: no, no, no. I think it was more, I think before high school even ended, I think I wasn't a part of it anymore, oh, but it wasn't anything. dramatic. It. it was just more like I'm doing theater. I don't have time.
3: I think it's badass when kids like start a band in high school. I think it's like so fun and gutsy and expressive. And instead of doing bands in high school, I was all about acapella groups. And uh, I started sure I a, barbers- a barbershop quartet and my brother was the high tenor. And then he graduated and went to college. So my senior year we held auditions and this, this is so depressing. We held auditions in the music room and zero people showed up to audition. And I was like, Oh, yeah, we're a high school barbershop quartet. Nobody wants to do this. Why do you think nobody showed up?
0: (laughs) We were called the accidentals. I think you told me that. When we've told me that before, and I actually think it's an excellent title for an acapella group.
3: I wish I came up with it. That was an Eric Rivera original. Not original. I'm sure he took it from someone, but I love uh,
0: it. I love Acapella. Did that in college, loved it, had a great yes, time. Yes, you did
3: with F. Michael Haney, correct? He was just oh, on the podcast. wonderful, wondrous F. Michael Haney. And it was a is it, wondrous. It was
0: just a time I legitimately one of my my favorite, if not my favorite thing about college uh, that I had those two years. I think being in the Enharmonics at NYU because of who was there and because of it was a group of people. This goes along with, I think this is why I gravitate now to certain things is it's a group of people with a work ethic I could really get on board with. I was yeah. like, these people come here and it's like, yes, it's social, but there's this undercurrent of like, we're at our job right now. Like there yeah. was something cool and interesting about we're in a club for sure. But it was like, we're going to show people like that we're amazing and we kind of knew we were good, and then when we went out and did stuff, it was confirmed that we were good, and yeah. we were like winning competitions with zero choreography.
3: Dude, we were taking something—wait, wait, with zero choreography, I—is I, it Glee Club? Yeah. I didn't realize there had to be.
0: You go, you go to these competitions. We went all, we went uh, to uh, uh, MIT. We went to a couple. We traveled to like these comp, these national competitions, and we would mm-hmm. just enter because we were like, we're good. And we were just a group of people in a line singing and feeling the music. That was it. And every other group was like white gloves and doing that, like that thing where they were like having, they were literally like doing changing positions. Like they were, um, in like a marching band and doing choreography. So we did, we scored low in a, in a certain, there is like a choreography category. So we would score low and still just topple these groups because we were so compelling. Yeah, and, and the right.
3: arrangements—the we arrangements were amazing, and those were a lot of them were done by yeah. Shayna Taub. Yeah, Shana Taub. hashtag Shayna Taub. That's right. Shout out to Shayna Taub, who's just the, <clears throat> one of the most mind-blowing songwriters out there right now. Wildly you know
0: unsuccessful, Shayna
3: Taub. <laughs> yeah. What a shame. What again, a shame that she's what what's her what's her biggest thing now? Just just only writing with Elton John, the Delaware's yeah. Prada? Yep. Only that. No, no big deal. She,
0: she's but she again, you knew it when she came into college. She was younger than all of us and better than all of us. <laughs> so you are sit there going like, okay, well, I have to step on my game if you know Shayna. And she, yeah, she's one of the reasons why we were so good as a I, group.
3: I enjoy settings like that where people around you are so good. This is how I qualify our collaboration is like when you find someone who isn't just like oh this will be a fun ride to go on because like we pal around and it's good uh, it's a good fun time it's it's looking at you and going oh shit did you see the words he just used those are words I have to go look up right now it's time for <laughs> me it's it's time ty- it's time for me to up my game as a writer and I've always thought that uh, uh, our collaboration and getting getting our writing out there at all has made me a better writer because the projects that we choose
0: to collaborate on are a little more challenging than the ones that end up kind of falling in my lap but another um, thing that, I, that draws me to people like you like the and harmonics like the you know aside from the fact that i'm a huge i'm a nut about specialists like people that mm-hmm. do one thing really well um i just think is incredible like my one of my favorite documentaries is jiro dreams of sushi and because it's just, this guy has done the same thing for decade after decade after decade, and he's a master at it. And that fascinates me. So I'm always drawn to people like that because they know everything about their thing. Whereas I kind of know everything about my thing and, you know, or as much as I can at this point. Um, but the other thing that drew me to you, in specifically as far as a writing partner, as far as like wanting to actually make the jump from friends to writing partners, because that's never always going to work, right? That no, that's, work. Uh, that's a risky leap to take. What I knew was going to be good. And what I knew we shared was whatever we wrote was not just personal. We wanted it to get out there and make us money. You know, it was like, it was, it was commercial to us. It was a business to us. Yes, it was artistic. Yes, it still is artistic and it means a lot to us, but in no way did we write something just for us. Right. Ever. We always think about an audience. And I think that's how I always have to think. I always think about my audience. Going, by the way, Going back to the, the crux of this conversation about wanting to, wanting everyone to like me, that has gone into my career. It's like, I always think about who's going to see the thing um, and always think about pleasing the other um, Yeah, because it, it's not, it isn't inherently self-serving, you know, it is because it feels good to write and we're like, oh, when we find something that's great, it feels really good. But ultimately the goal is to make other people feel great.
3: Right. I think Mumf Mumf is a good uh, uh, point <clears throat> of like how that was that was kind of just for us.
0: <laughs> we didn't and, know, that, and, you know. We didn't right, know, right. That. We know
3: that now. But that's, I think that's the the only reason it didn't work out with Mump, Uh is because we wrote it just for us. It's nothing yeah, else. It was a perfect, perfect pilot. Everyone should go read that. Fun fact, the pilot and I, Alex, are talking about in this episode is not the only pilot that will never see the light of day. We also wrote a pilot called The Morons starring me, Alex, F. Michael Haney, and Andrew Kober. Now back with Alex. When I go to visit and like, it is a visit. I, I go up into your dressing room. You and I hang out, pal around, maybe have a sure. beverage and, and catch up because that's right. when we find time when you're in a show. Sure. When I'm walking through the uh, the crowd of people that has started to congregate in front of the stage door, they know me as your co-writer. They know me as your friend. It is so weird to be known as somebody's friend, I, I told think that is I tell such-
0: them that beforehand. I go, this guy's coming by.
3: Let you him know, feel good.
0: He's wearing yeah. a hat. He's balding.
3: Yeah, and he's wearing a hat because he's insecure of his hair
0: say, loss. Say you know him. I yeah. I prep. Oh yeah, I do a lot of prep work for these he's hangouts. A-
3: Right, you, you 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 play a couple of my songs before I show up, <laughs> and they can be like, "Just like, the one that goes, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly." And I'm like, "Oh man, I'm so flattered." And they ask me to they ask me to sign an autograph, and they'll be like, "F Michael, F Michael," and you'll pop your head out, and you'll be like, "No, no, wrong one, wrong one.
0: That's that's the other friend."
3: What is something that you get recognized for that's not necessarily your face on a billboard, a lot or of Beetlejuice, things. or School of Rock?
0: A lot of things it's by virtue of, of other people. I mean, I, I'm Ryan Scott Oliver is a big one. Like people. Absolutely. Will, um, <clears throat> they, they know the 35 millimeter album really well, or they are obsessed yeah. with it and, and they know that from that. Um, but they also like uh, it's kind of a funny story, like well, because they know that we're writing that together. So they'll talk about that. That is the oh, one yeah. that always makes me very happy that people have Same. attached to it because it's like, cool. Like this is not it's, it's not even really anything that's all that out there in a way that is huge, but it's out there in a way. And the yeah. people that latched onto it is excellent. So that's makes that's the ones that makes me feel good of people that have to do a little bit of research to know what it's about and that they like it. Um and then Has, the only other thing that I am I'm almost every night at Beetlejuice is impractical jokers. Um when you people, with the big top hat and the whole thing that you did. What that, was it? That? that is the thing I think by the numbers I've been recognized the most for, aside yeah. from the thing I'm already at. <laughs> Right, that is
3: hysterical. I don't realize how big that show is, but it's giant. It's like a it's huge show. It's yeah, enormous. they had a
0: movie. It's just huge. It's just gigantic. I think that everybody's known for who they are at some point, but then obviously you are known. Not you, everybody is known by something else as well. And so I yeah. just think by virtue, I think that like the thing about whether it's frustrating or whether it's something that like is that gets in your craw sometimes that it's, it's just the nature of who you hang out with and what happens to the people around you, you know? Sure. And in my friendships, that happens all the time because everybody is in some sort of like, you know, that like water game where you shoot it in the clown's mouth and the horses move a little bit and each one moves a little bit in the carnival game.
3: Yeah, yeah. I have it's nightmares like, about that game to this day.
0: That, that type of thing feels like my life and friendships with people, whether they're extremely close friendships or or loose friendships where either you are on the sideline watching somebody else's career go by in a great way and you're cheering them on. Yeah. Or realistically you're going like, what happened? What's going on with me? What's going on? Wasn't I just there? Wasn't I, I thought I was the horse that was here, you know? Yeah. And I think that happens in fits and starts. And depending on the timeline, it just where you fit there, it's either very frustrating, which I sympathize with and can empathize with for sure as a kid up to now. Um, but also I think it's exciting when you realize when you zoom out a little bit and you go like, this is those kind of wins, which is like, you know, our text thread that we have, you know, with F. Michael and Andrew Cobra, it's like a lot of that text thread people, I think people would be surprised that a lot of that text thread is not gossip and talking shit, but more celebrating each other for the things we're doing. And I think that it's been that way for such a long time that I, it just, it's, it's a really nice thing to remember that when you are in the same industry, it really is never about competition. It is, hopefully, and it can be, of course. Yeah. Um, and I think it fits and starts with friendships. There is like, it, friendships, relationships, even in family, I think that there is innate tension about like, yes. somebody's doing better than me, which that's a relative, you know, that's all relative. Um, but there is that thing where it's like, when you zoom out and go, oh, I'm just, if if it tips just to that direction, if it always starts to feel like, every time it's a win for somebody it's a loss for me that's when i think there is something else going on whereas when i zoom out i go everything's a win you know and i don't well, always you and i out. you and i have talked about
3: this in a lot of ways and i mean like you know before we wrap up i got i got a lot to say now hold up uh there's <laughs> there there's um Something you and I have always discussed, and I've mentioned it now twice uh, with Lily Cooper and with Amber Ardolino, who are on the podcast with me. And I've brought this up because when we talk about the industry, people have an idea about it. But when it comes to the friendships within the industry, it is like this. I'm going to paint it exactly like this. We say we call it the umbrella theory. You and I have talked about this for years. The umbrella yeah. theory, which is if Alex is the one, and it's a rainy day, and Alex is the one with the umbrella. We're allowed under that umbrella, basically, his success is my success, and that's where I really enjoy being known as alex brightman's friend that is 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 overwhelming to me. I love when people acknowledge the morons because it's something that's so silly and it was just ours, and I think that's a fun little thing
0: yeah.
1: when
3: people start saying "What an accomplishment to know alex brightman i'm like Jesus christ like and- yeah, Go a little, take a little, uh, one step further out of the puddle you're standing in, and, and maybe see the rest of the globe a little bit. Uh, but it's I it's do. A I, a it's a bit of a miss. I think they're using the wrong word. Is what I. Think. I'm, I'm sure that's what it is. I still like to put them in their place. on the on TikTok. But I. I, uh, follow me. Follow me on TikTok, by the way. <laughs> yeah, follow me on TikTok. It's great content. Uh, but I will call you out. Um, I, I I mean this from the bottom of my heart in terms of our friendship. I, I do mean that when I say you are so close to me based purely just in the last 10 years of what we've each gone through. You've had yeah. my back in many ways. I've had your back in yeah. many ways. I've watched your rise in your career. I've watched the little dips. You've watched the rise in my career. You've watched the giant vast chasms. <laughs> uh you- <laughs> <laughs> uh but no matter what there is a bond between us that is that I I feel in the best way I could possibly say very stuck with I love being stuck with Alex Brightman
0: and a best example of that I might cry even talking about COVID, Before you but, talk about it can I just cuz I'm going to forget and I the yeah. same thing you're not going to lose it is that yeah. that's you just hit hit it on the head after all the, the the stuff we're writing and career and all that kind of stuff, that that matters. And it does, I think, but I put it in quotes, but it, it matters. It matters, sure. But yeah. um, when push comes to shove, when we hang out, strictly to hang out, yeah every, in my opinion, a lot of that falls away and friendship does supersede it. And it's just fun to hang.
3: I mean, and the last time we hung out was like the silliest, most fun time right. I've had in 2020.
0: yeah And so that's like, I think what... The other like thing, people, me, I think, but I think other people forget is that like you know when you hang out with somebody who's in the industry who's your friend, you don't always have to be talking about the things you're doing or that you're doing better than the other person or believe right. that you are or aren't. I just think that you can just be friends, taking the career aspect out of the way, and I like that when we can hang out and and do that and talk shit or whatever. But like it's nice to know that that's why when a friendship isn't working, that that friendship part goes away and it's just, it's just the com- competition, which yeah. I think is weird. Um, yeah. When it supersedes, I think it is nice. Anyway, yeah. continue. Uh, no, you I,
3: I I agree. I agree. Uh, well, no, your diversion took the tears right out of my eyes. But I, I want to say that like there was, there was one moment and it was, I would never expect anything of you. Um... And I don't, you know, I expect whatever friendship things come with friendship. But yeah. when I when I was playing, you were down in D.C. doing a contract. You were doing Nick Blaymeyer's show, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, and this is in 2015, 2016, I forget. Yeah. But I was doing Lincoln Center. I was asked mm-hmm. to do a concert at Lincoln Center, and you surprised me by coming up to do the show. Yeah. And that it was maybe a big I will deal. Cry. It was a big deal. It was a big deal, but you recognized that it was a big deal for me, and you, as a friend, took the effort to get on a bus and or right, rent a right, car. I you rent- rented a car, car yeah. and it got towed. I mean, yeah, like I got- the whole thi- the whole thing sucked on your end, but you did it for me. <laughs> really, you did it for me, and it meant it meant the world to me. And it was just how, it's how I felt being the friend who uh, before Beetle just went to Broadway, and I was in D.C. And I was having dinner with your parents and your brother before yeah. the show. I just felt like I was doing what any brother would do and go support my brother. And, uh, I, I love you always, Alex, I'm always going to love you. You're one of my best friends forever and ever. I you love and you I, right I, I've, I've never laughed harder with any individual in my life and that's I don't see sure. that changing yeah, ever. You sure. and I will always have
0: that. So say, uh, I, I want to say two things, before, Yes, please. And it, but it, they're both compliments. One, we, the way you and I, I laugh with everybody. I like to laugh with people and whatever I've heard it. <laughs> this is the way it's described when you and I are hanging out laughing is other people say it's like they're have their own language. It's like that yeah. they're laughing at things that I'm not even comprehending what it is. Like it's right. like it's, it's, it's the, that's one Two, You mentioned DC when you're at my parents, my parents just talked about this the other day. And I think you you should know this because it was behind your back. They said, Drew is the only person other than maybe me, I guess, because they've seen me do it. Go, Drew has, when he when he walks into any sort of conversation, he came to dinner with people he's met once or twice before maybe, within 30 seconds, he was part of that table. And it's just something you do so well, and it's something that is something I absolutely don't do well. <laughs> no, you do it well when you have to. I've seen I, you do it well. When, I'm not, when I don't have to, though, it is a rough go.
3: It's yeah, a, it's, I've seen it's, that it's, too. A, <laughs>
0: me sitting at one end of the booth going when are we getting out of here yes. uh, who are who are these I, I
3: that's a very nice thing for your parents to say it's true um Alex brightman thank you so much for taking the time dude I I hate you
0: bye <laughs> I love you buddy Love you too,
3: man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Now We're Talking with me, Drew Gasparini. Now We're Talking is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and this podcast at bpn.fm slash now we're talking and on Instagram at Drew Gasparini. Special thanks to our clever little devil guest, Alex Brightman, and to all of you listeners for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts and keep tuning in for more amazing guests before i go i just want to say if there's one slice of pizza left don't be a dick ask if anyone wants it before you take it